It's time for Wolo and Friends on Sports 56, presented by Homer Skelton Hyundai. Here is your host, the voice of the Tigers, Dave Woloshin. It's game day, and welcome to Greenville, North Carolina. The Grizz leaped out at Minnesota last night, 14-0, but then they could not hold on. They lose again, and we'll have Pete Pranica, who flew home late last night, to talk about that and all things Grizz that comes your way. In less than 10 minutes, as I mentioned, I'm in Greenville. Tigers at East Carolina looking for their third win in a row. They are three and a half point favorites. We'll talk with Jarvis Greer about that last segment of the show. And we begin our baseball coverage. Normally it's going to be Fridays with Tim Doolin. We will uh, do that today at uh, about 10.30. Tim Doolin on baseball. Dodgers, by the way, the Vegas pick to win the World Series. The Cardinals are the slight favorites over the Cubs to win the National League Central. We'll get into all things baseball, including the SEC College Baseball, Matt Reiser's baseball team for the U of M. That'll all come your way with Tim Doolin. And then Jarvis Greer, as he always does on Thursdays, will end our day and we'll talk tigers and maybe some showboats uh, a bunch of other things like that in, in the meantime i i got i got an interesting text of a podcast from a friend of mine the other day and uh it was pablo torres podcast in case you don't know who pablo torres is he's a very clever guy he is on part-time on pardon the interruption when tony kornizer doesn't make it he'll come on when will bond doesn't make it he will come on and this was a, a podcast that began with this internet rumor that jaron jackson jr's stats from last year when he was named defensive player of the year that his block totals were totally fictitious, that when in Memphis he had two to three times more blocks than he would on the road. In other words, that the Memphis scorekeepers, who, by the way, are friends of mine, that they were padding his stats. Well, it turns out that all these geeks, these analytic nuts that have their own little society in a convention that is talked about by Pablo Torres, and he includes himself in this grouping, they all went and looked back at every single game and every single block. Turns out that there was only like two or three blocks that would have been questionable, that all the blocks that Jaron Jackson Jr. had last year on his way to becoming the Defensive Player of the Year were actually, honestly accurate. Now, however, in doing all of this, there were other legends and abuses, so to speak, especially like in the 90s and the 80s. So they went back and they looked and they found out there was a Grizzly scorekeeper who absolutely was fraudulent and later in life admitted that he was fraudulent. He was originally known as Alex from the Navy, and he was the Vancouver Grizzlies scorekeeper. He one time had 23 assists for Nick Van Exel. He was not a Grizz at the time, but Alex Rucker was 19 at the time. In Country Reeves... Um, couple of the other Grizzlies players, he would pad the stats, and he was encouraged by the Grizzlies ownership group, and frankly, the stats keepers of the day, they would pad the stars' stats, like Stockton and Malone, they would pad those stats in order to give their team more attention. This was a league still trying to claw its way into sports center lore to get as much attention on the league. And so they decided the best way to do that was through the stars. And Alex Rucker and other people that had been in stats, because he would go to stats classes, conventions for the league, and they would talk about these things. What was an assist? What is truly a block or a deflection? 
And it, it was basically preached at the time, if the guy's a star, give him the benefit of the doubt. And so a lot of padding was going on. He was actually congratulated. They actually gave Nick Van Exel an assist on a pass that we don't even know because it wasn't on video. It was out of the frame if he actually made the pass in this one particular game where he had 23 assists. So it was absolutely nuts. And I, I don't think, hey, talked about Michael Jordan's defensive uh player of the year year and they went back and looked at everything and and his stats at home were always at least two to three times better than they were on the road so the local scorekeepers were absolutely a big part of making a star a star he goes now you can't alex rucker was actually talked to on this podcast admitted what he had done and uh he then basically came clean and said you couldn't do that today because of the way every shot is taken they have those aerial views and all these analytic companies no way you could get away with doing what was done then but i've seen this before even in college basketball there was when memphis was in the metro there was a scorekeeper in milwaukee that would give the marquette guard i want to say his name was miller it was the uh tigers had chris garner at the time you go to Milwaukee, and this guy would end up with nine, ten assists, and I'm thinking, he had two or three. How did he get that many? They've been padding stats forever, but it was an interesting podcast. I thank my friend Steve Haley for sending me that, uh, and um, it, I, I guess they've been fudging on stats, both college and pro, for years and years and years. One other random thought before Pete joins us. And he will do that momentarily. And he's a Packers fan, so this is perfect for him if he's already on the line. Colin Coward had a great analysis, I think, of the Packers and the Bears, the two original NFL teams from the Midwest, both brand names, both storied histories, as good as it gets. Both play outdoors. In the last 32 years, both have had fairly equivalent all-pro players. think the Packers have had slightly more. Now, you know that the Packers have absolutely dominated the Bears in the last 32 years. The answer is simple. It's the quarterback position, clearly the most important position in the game. In 32 years, the Chicago Bears have had 32 quarterbacks who've played. In 32 years, the Packers have had three. Can you believe that? Three. Favre to Rodgers, and now to Love, who looks like he's going to be the next deal, right? Three quarterbacks to 32. There's the difference in the last 32 years between the Bears and the Packers, and I really don't think Justin Fields is the guy. So I hope the Bears do make a move, trade him, get more picks, take Caleb Williams. Let's take our chance on a new face. With that said, let me let you know, I've moved the Family Leisure Studios out east and a little to the north in Greenville just for you. But you need to go to I-40 and Whitten Road because the closing days of the floor sale are now here. We've got a new sale coming. I'm going to tell you about that tomorrow for sure. But right now, go get the floor model sales because they are incredible. 25% off on spas. Uh, you can get Wicker sofa sets, 2000 You can get pool tables for 1500 Go. The floor model sale is going, so cash in while you can at I-40 and Widden Road. You know our title sponsor. That's Homer. Homer Skelton Hyundai. That's in Olive Branch where the new 2024 Santa Fe, totally rebuilt from the bottom of the wheels all the way to the roof. It's bigger. It's standard third row now in this incredible family vehicle. It's the best SUV Hyundai has ever made, according to them. And if you test drive it with Chris Drew and the gang, if you venture into Olive Branch just down Highway 78, first exit, Craft Road, turn left, if you check that out, if you test drive it, you're going to want it because you're going to love this brand-new family, Santa Fe. So let's wake up our friend... That's Pete Pranica. You, by, by the way, Pete, do you agree with me on that uh, uh, analysis of the difference between the Bears and the Packers the last 32 years when they have dominated? It's all quarterback. Oh, absolutely. Good morning. Absolutely. Yeah, good morning. Yeah, when, when I, I got on early and, uh, yeah, I was listening to that. And as soon as you said, what's the difference, first thing that popped in my mind, quarterback. 
I, I mean, quality of the quarterback in the NFL is absolutely crucial to, to winning and losing. And the Bears have had a series of uh, very mediocre signal callers. Um, and and that's, that's been a different Forever. thing in that series. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 mean, I, mean, I mean, Bob Avellini, come on. Forget the immortal I Bob started Avellini. going to Bear games. I, I believe me, I know who Bob Avellini is. I started to go to Bear games as a child in 1959, all right? Now, the best quarterback I think the Bears have ever had is still Sid Luckman. You you, you can throw Jim McMahon in because he had an un- unbelievable team that year, uh, including Walter Payton. But I, the Bears have never had a star quarterback. Look at the Packers from Bart Starr, and look at this this trio in 32 years. Like, that's crazy. It, it it really is. It really is. Um, they've been they've been fortunate. Um, I mean, nobody thought Brett Favre. You know, when when Ron Rolf traded for him, he was told that Favre could play four or five years in the league. Well, you know, guy's going to end up in the Hall of Fame. Um, this is yeah. this is crazy. Yeah. Well, Packers have done a great job. I think Jordan Love is really good too. I think the Bears need to move on. All right, let's get to. What we talk to you about every week, that's the Grizz and the NBA. How many times have you seen a 14 nothing start to a game? Very rarely, very rarely. And, uh, and unfortunately, uh, the Grizzlies couldn't make it hold up because I think, I think Minnesota is legitimately, I don't know that they're a championship contender because I still think that the East uh, really has some strong teams and, and you don't want to discount Denver. But Minnesota is as complete a basketball team, I think, as we have certainly in the Western Conference and maybe in the entire NBA, what Chris Finch has done there, particularly on the defensive side, um, they have the second best differential in field goal percentage for and against. And last night they outshot the Grizzlies by by ten percent. And uh, you do that, you're going to win a lot of basketball games. You and 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 let's be honest. I mean, how. How are you going to hold on against a really good team, even if you get a great start? And I, I think they were trying to prove a point because the really maybe out of all this two-way guys, 10-day contract guys, the game against Brooklyn is about the only one that I can remember that wasn't competitive going into the fourth quarter. I mean, that, that was the first time. So I thought they wanted to make a statement. But, you know, how can you really compete against excellent teams with depth when, you know, Triple J is is really and truly your one standout guy that we know is a is a really good player? Now, I don't want to take anything away from Gigi and, and Vince Williams, who are now signed to contracts, because I think they'll be rotation guys, but they're not starting guys. And that's what you're faced with the rest of the year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's been, it's, I think, what is it, 25 different players for the Grizzlies have played like uh, 50 minutes or more, which is the most in the NBA. The, the combinations that Taylor Jenkins has been forced to, to put out there, um, you know, they, they don't have a lot of court time together. Je, uh, um, Luke Kennard was a late scratch with illness yesterday. So, yeah, I mean, you, you look at the Minnesota roster, you look at the Grizzlies roster, you look at the injured list for the Grizzlies, the injured list for Minnesota, and the fact of the matter is that, that, that the Grizzlies had that game very, very competitive, really, until the fourth quarter. Um, I, I, think it, I think it speaks well to Taylor Jenkins that he's got these guys to buy in because there are some guys you get to this point in the season and the play-in play is not really a realistic possibility. It's just time to mail it in. Let's say, hey, let's, let's start making our Cancun reservations. But this group, and I, I think Jordan Goodwin played his butt off last night. Only five points, didn't shoot it well, but eight assists to two turnovers. You'll take that every single day of the week. And uh, and we're becoming big fans of Lamar Stevens and the effort that he's putting out there. So you do not fault anything that the Grizzlies did last night. Uh, they're just dealing with an Anthony Edwards right now who is on an incredible tear. Oh, yeah. I I was way off on him. He, he played against the Tigers in FedEx Forum. He was terrible that night. Um, but... He, he is certainly going to be a superstar if he isn't already a superstar. And I think he's got the playoffs to prove that he, he is going to, to, to be one. You, 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 you mentioned guys and I, I, I read the Michael Cole story. I thought it was really good in commercial appeal about the life of some of these guys, you know, um, and, and Taylor Jenkins assimilating guys into a system they, they, they may know nothing about, like this guy Jemison, who is the center for the, 
uh, Grizz uh, for 10 days and then go into another team. And, you know, he was with a different team before that. And he came in and had to, had to figure out within 24 hours how to, how to play the way Taylor Jenkins wanted him to play. Or you take Matthew Hurt, who was actually with the Grizz, then went away from the Grizz, was playing for uh, a U.S. team in Cuba and had to come home, miss the game because he got another 10 day contract. The life for these guys to quickly learn systems and try to play as good as they can for 10 days, hoping for another chance, it, it's got to be sort of like perilous. It is. It is. But you're motivated because you want to stay in the league. And you look at a guy like Lamar Stevens, who barely played. He played, I think, 122 minutes in Boston. He's probably up to close to 80 with the Grizzlies over over a handful of games. Um they're, they're motivated. I mean, look, they want to stay in the league. You want to stay in the league for as long as you possibly can. And, um, and, and guys have opportunities. I, one of Taylor's great skills is as a communicator, which if you talk to people around the NBA, they will tell you that is the greatest asset a head coach has to have. You have to be a good communicator. you got to be honest. And how many times during Taylor's pre pregame press conferences, he'll say, I sat down with fill in the name, and we had an honest conversation about this. Um, you know, he, and he's had to deal with the two-way guys. Now, normally, if you have a two-way guy from the start of the season, they're eligible for 50 NBA games. You sign him later in the year, that number's prorated. So you have Scottie Pippen Jr. for maybe 20 games. And so that's why one game he was playing, another game he was inactive. And Taylor Jenkins says, I had to sit down with him. I had to explain to him, look, we only have you for this number of games, and this is how this is what our plan is. And so when you are a good communicator as a coach and when your players have a reasonable expectation of what you want from them and you can communicate that to them, you're going to get buy-in. And coaches that bounce around uh, and players that are uh, unhappy with their role, it's probably because the coach hasn't communicated it with him. I was told by someone that I respect very much that the reason that James Harden got so sideways with Philadelphia, he didn't feel Doc Rivers was being honest with him, did not feel that they were having an open and honest dialogue, and, and that's why that's why Harden forced his way out of Philadelphia. He and Doc Rivers just didn't get along because he didn't like the way that, that Doc Rivers communicated or did not communicate with him. Yeah, I, I, I think it was Daryl Morey, too. Didn't he, didn't he just basically call him a liar? Yeah, there was, so there was that, that story? too, but, but I, I do recall that story. But, you know, I, I bring up Doc Rivers simply because now he's gone out and now he's coaching the Milwaukee Bucks. And, yeah, and everybody, know. you know, everybody's like, well, Harden's a bad guy, he's a bad guy, he's a bad guy. And I had somebody tell me, like, there are two sides to that story, and it, it's not all on Harden. Speaking of communication, what do you th- what, what, what do you think the Taylor Jenkins and Zach Kleiman and all that crew are going to do in the future with? And I'm going to name a, a a bunch of guys. We'll start with Zaire Williams, who was good last night, sixteen and eight. What is the future with the Grizz of Zaire Williams? I think the future. I, I think I think it's there for him. I mean, he's he's battled injury. He's battled inconsistency. Um, he has, in Taylor Jenkins' terminology, enormous care factor. I think if there's anything that's maybe a weakness about Zaire, he cares so much that when things don't go right, he has to work about not hanging his head. Uh, and he's, he's been better with that. And I said it on the postgame show last night. I said, Zaire's got to be in a the, – the way the roster is right now, with so many guys down, Zaire has to be in a starting lineup. He's got to get consistent minutes in order to get a real read on what he can be for this basketball team. And, you know, you look at him last night, I, I thought, you know, he look, he was active on the offensive glass. The last guy, not the last guy, but you don't expect Zaire Williams to be the guy who's crashing the offensive glass and getting tips. Made a couple of ridiculous three-point shots as well. So I, I think the door is open for him to stay with the Grizzlies and, and to be an impact player, but he's got to get consistent minutes and stay healthy. And then they can get a true read on uh, whether or not he can he can be a productive rotational player in this league. I I, I think he can. I think he can. But uh, I, again, it, it's been inconsistent, and the injuries have played part of that. Same thing with uh, Sante Aldama. 
What what do you think his future will be? I think you know Santi has improved his offensive game, and again now he's been a regular starter. I think for the last thirteen fourteen games, his defense is going to determine whether or not uh, you know he he sticks long term. That's the thing that the Grizzlies really want him to work on. Obviously, as the three point shot, he's got reasonable playmaking skills. He's been a better shot blocker this year, and part of that is because Jaron's playing the five, so Santi's playing playing the four and, and can can roam over as a second side shot blocker. So, uh, you know, again, he's been a little been a little up and down, um, but again, I, I I think he's an NBA player. What role he'll be he'll have with the Grizzlies remains to be seen going forward because you know now you, now you got Gigi Jackson who can who can play the three or the four, or if you get yourself a a, a center a starting center next year, then Jaron goes back to the four, and, and you know maybe Santi comes off the bench. So a lot of moving parts. Luke Kennard has a high price tag. Obviously, he's one of the premier shooters in the league, but he's got other deficiencies, particularly on the defensive side. And he's, you mentioned a center that they could try to acquire. He would be the price tag that might be the price that would pay for that. What do you think Kennard's future is? Uh, you know, every team loves to have shooting, and every team, I think, would love to have Luke Kennard regardless of the defensive uh, deficiencies because I, you know for his career in all-time NBA I mean he's what top three I think in three-point percentage so everybody's yeah. gonna want that um, one of those things that if you get the proverbial offer you can't refuse then then maybe you, you make that deal but uh, this is a, a Grizzlies team that that you know everybody needs three-point shooting and the Grizzlies last night were below 30 percent from three. Why? Well, there's no Desmond Payne, there's no Luke Kennard, so um, things become a little bit more different. You'd love to have Luke Kennard to be able to come off the bench and give you three or four threes a game, a couple of assists, and, and, and be a six-man-of-the-year candidate. I think that would be the blue-sky prediction for the Grizzlies, but again, if there's a hole that you need to fill and, and Luke Kennard is the price you have to pay, uh, you know that, that certainly could happen. I'm not sure we've ever had a chance to really see what Jake LaRavia can do because he seems to be always injured, particularly this year. What's his future? Uh, I, I think, you know, the last 20-plus games are going to be crucial for him, uh, whether he sticks with the Grizzlies or he builds himself to a point where he creates enough value that, uh, you know, maybe he moves on and, and, and you get something in return. Again, it's consistent minutes, and he hasn't had consistent minutes. I think his physicality and his aggression, uh, particularly offensively and in rebounding, those are things that Taylor Jenkins has told me that he wants to see from Jake. We've seen that, but you know he only got 20 minutes last night, didn't shoot the ball real well, did have five rebounds, but he's got to be a guy that you know comes off the bench and can give you double digits on, on a regular basis. I mean, I think he's a, a 10 or 12-point-a-game guy, five or six rebound-a-game guy. And uh, and he's got to be a got to be a better defender. I think if he if he can do those things, then there's a chance to to stay here. But um, you know, if you, if you look in the pecking order, I think Zaire Williams would be ahead of Jake when you when you look at these wings. Then you mentioned him earlier, Lamar Stevens. Interesting story. What's his future? Uh, you know, expiring contract. But the fact of the matter is, he can guard two through five. Uh, Intelligent basketball player, great teammate. Um, everybody with the Celtics heartbroken when when he got traded because he was much beloved in the locker room. You can't have enough guys like Lamar Stevens on your roster because they'll play their butt off. They'll accept every challenge. They'll defend their butts off. Um, he, he's a guy that I yeah knew nothing or very little about Lamar Stevens until he came to Memphis. And what I've seen in this first half dozen games, I'm very, very impressed. And again, every team needs role players. You need glue guys, uh, and and he can be that guy. So, you know, again, expiring contract. That's that's the coin of the realm of the NBA when when you do deals in the off season. But I like what I've seen from Lamar Stevens, and if he stayed a Grizzly, I'd be very happy about it. Last thing for Pete Pranica, TV voice of the Grizzlies. I don't know if you heard my story about Pablo Torre's podcast, basically about in the 80s and 90s how NBA scorekeepers really stuff stats for stars. You got any good good stories you agree with uh, what you heard? 
didn't, didn't hear the podcast. I don't know when the NBA really went to the real-time auditing system, which they do now, um, where there's somebody watching back in Secaucus, and sometimes we'll be looking at, at the scoring monitor and an assist will disappear or a rebound will disappear. Um, so it's, it's, it's a little bit more uh, straight down the middle, the way that it should be with that auditing process in place. But you look at, yeah, I mean, you look at John Stockton's assistant, like, come on, really? Uh, I'm, I'm exactly. sure back in the day, I'm sure back in the day, there, there was some home cooking with assists, particularly. Um, but the NBA has, has gone to some a system now where, uh, you know, if they see something that they have a question, they'll go back, look at it on video to make sure that they get it right. You know, was the block, who got the block? There were two guys there. Okay. Who gets credit for it? And it's all video reviewed. It's audited in real time, uh, and the statistics are also, I believe, audited the day after the game uh, to make sure that everything is everything is fair and square. So, did it happen in the past? Yeah, but I think the uh, the uh, the NBA's put in systems to make sure that we don't have those those artificially inflated stats anymore. I didn't realize until you just said. This. So, there's actually real time auditing of, of stats during the game. Oh where yeah, it'll just go away. Wow. Yeah, yeah, we 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 had a situation I think where where Vince Williams I think it was going to be his first double double, and he had ten rebounds, and then we come back from a timeout, and they realized they went back and they looked, and I guess they they rolled the video back and realized it wasn't his rebound, and he ended up not getting a double double that night. So they they do go back and look because obviously now the scoring crews in in most NBA arenas because of the high dollar seats down low, the scoring crews are sitting way up high. And uh, so that's why an extra set of eyes in the caucus is, is very helpful to make sure that the stats are as correct as possible. He's Pete Pranica, TV voice of the Grizz. The Grizz will play tomorrow against Portland, a team worse than them. In fact, four games behind them. So uh, maybe that'll be a W. Pete, thanks again. We'll talk next Thursday. All right. Sounds good, Wolo. That's Pete Pratica. Always a pleasure to have him on. We talk baseball. First time of the year with our guy, Tim Doolin. He comes your way in just a minute. Be sure to follow us at Sports56WHBQ on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube to watch live video of our shows, stay up to date with station events, and have chances to win prizes. Don't miss out on anything that's going on. Follow us at Sports 56 WHBQ. Now back to Wolo and Friends on Sports 56. Presented by Homer Skelton Hyundai. Here once again is the voice of the Tigers, Dave Woloshin. Welcome back to Greenville on Leap Day. That means it's February 29th, correct? That means spring training is open. That means we got to talk to our guy, Tim Doolin, on baseball. They say the Cardinals are slightly favored over the Cubs in the National League Central. At least Vegas does. The Dodgers overwhelming favorites to win 103 games, win the World Series. Atlanta second. The Astros and the Yankees won two in the American League. Then the Rangers, the defending champions, then the Phillies. Good morning, Tim. Do you buy all of that? Is that what's going to happen? Uh, I think that's fairly accurate. I don't know that. I don't know that I would uh, pick the Dodgers to win the World Series. I'd probably take the field just because it's so hard. But obviously, on paper, and definitely in the in the payroll category, they should win the World Series. Yeah. How? What is their payroll? And what is let's say the Colorado Rockies? Which, by the way, everybody looked at all these predictions today. All I don't know specifics. The consensus but it, is the Rockies are the worst team in baseball. Yeah. No. No doubt. Although we do have a we do have a native Memphian that's going to be on the Rockies opening day roster, and he's uh, went to Arlington High School, played at University of Memphis, and uh, came up last year and uh, did some really good things. Uh, he, he came up uh, really kind of a catcher, third baseman, uh, outfielder, but can you know, really really hit. And then uh, obviously, you know, when you talk about the, the switching to the National League Central, I mean, we talk about this every year. Well, it's it's uh, anybody's. Uh, it's anybody's race because just no one's really taken the lead and just dominated that division between the Cardinals, uh, obviously the Brewers, and the Cubs. So uh, I think it's really good the Cubs were able to 
re-sign uh, Ballinger. I think he had a really good comeback year. Obviously got a very uh, friendly contract that allows him to not only get paid for three years, but also be able to opt out. Uh, and then if he puts up big numbers, he probably will opt out. He's only 28 years old. So he's going to be a, a real key to that lineup. Can he continue doing what he did last year? Uh, or was that just kind of a fluke? But I, I do think he's going to have another solid year. He made some swing adjustments, um, cut down his strikeouts, was able to put the ball in play consistently with two strikes. Uh, and so it'll be interesting to see how the, how the Cubs, um, do this, this year. Well, I, I think the biggest acquisition was as big as I love Cody Bellinger. I was really hoping he would come back, but I think it's Greg Council. Do you, I, I read this somewhere. I think Greg Council, his winning percentage in one run games is like in the top two or three in the history of baseball. Yeah, there's no question that Craig Council is, uh, a really smart guy, uh, obviously proved it, you know, to be what you said, consistent, uh, a really good manager. But I think it's the blend of him understanding the analytics, but also having a real good feel for the game because he played, played it so long. And I think, you know, when you look at the success that teams have had and you look at the managers over the last couple of years, I think that's, that's what the game hopefully is coming back to. Uh, you saw, you know, what, what the Rangers were able to do last year. Uh, and I think it's totally attributed to, you know, Bruce Bochy's, um, experience and wisdom. Uh, and yet he, even though he's older, I think he's always had a feel for his players and for how hard the game is. So I think that's, I think that's the key that Craig Council brings. And there's no question he was a huge acquisition, uh, for the Cubs. And look, you know, they believe that because look what they paid him. Oh, yeah. So let me ask you this. If you were a general manager, you had your pick of any manager in the game today. Who who would you choose? Well, I mean, I would probably choose the, the likes of Craig Council for sure. Um, yeah. Bruce Bochy was a great pickup, um, and, and you know, uh, the GM for the for the Rangers played for Bruce Bochy, and right. but yet he's very very intelligent. I think he might have been a you know uh, a uh, an Ivy League grad, and uh, so when you look at Chris Young, the GM, his background was a blend of the two. It's not just a guy that. You know that went to MIT that worked his way through the system and understands the analytics and all the sabermetrics that we deal with on a daily basis, probably to a fault. So uh, I think you got to find a manager that has a blend of that. And if you bring back a veteran manager, you got to give him the keys to the you know to the car. You got to let him do this. Um, and that's what I think the Rangers did last year. You know, it, it's interesting you mentioned you know all the analytics that that baseball only uses. Billy Bean who he wasn't the first one to invent it. I think Bill James was the first one to really put That's right. all sorts of analytics to use uh, in his book, The Abstract Baseball or whatever. I can't remember what the exact title was. But um, Billy Bean, I, I heard him interviewed here recently, and he was talking about how he thinks baseball is the most intelligent game of all because of the use of their intelligence, the analytics. Now, you've been a guy that's more... You, you think it's overblown, but do do you think the game has evolved uh, in in a in a way that there may be more strategy that is used because of the use of analytics? Uh, I, I don't know if I say more. I mean, I think it's unfair to say that we we didn't have analytics when I played, or we didn't have analytics when you know when you know, Whitey Herzog was managed. You had it; you just had it on paper. You didn't have it through a computer. Was it as intense uh, as it is today? No, but at the end of the day, you have to you have to gather. In my opinion, you have to gather as much information as you can. So analytics are definitely valuable, but the pitcher still has to hit that spot. You can't just right. say, "Oh, well, this is what this guy does with two strikes, and he, there's a lot of swing and miss or whatever." The, the players have to execute a and b. As a manager, you're with these players day in and day out. Here's an example. Let's say we're going in to play the, the, the Cardinals, the Cubs are, and Cody Bellinger is, he hits 200 off of this pitcher that we're facing today. Well, if Cody Bellinger is 10 for his last 12, he's freaking playing today. I don't care who's pitching. He's hot. Uh, and so sometimes you have to buck the analytics because you don't know what's going on on a daily basis. The computer can't tell you that. So I, I think it's valuable. But I think you you got to have a blend of the two. 
Let's center in on the National League Central. So these are my Vegas odds, okay? The Cardinals are slightly favored, I think, by a game over the Cubs, then the Brewers, then the Reds, then the hapless Pittsburgh Pirates. Do you think that that's the way it goes? And I think if that's the case, the Cardinals would go, didn't they end up worse than the division last year? To the best. Yeah. I think worse. Yeah. Do you, do you so, buy that they go from worst to first? No, I don't. I think again, like like we always talk about this time of year, is that it's just it's flip a coin. I could easily see the Cubs winning by a game or two, um, and don't count the Brewers out. You just you just never know in this division. And there's, I still think there's a lot of uncertainty with with the Cardinals. You're you're talking about you're going to have to depend on Sonny Gray having another big year, which he could. Um, you got Lance Lynn, who's prone to uh, have injuries, and he's older. Is he going to stay healthy? I mean, you you have a couple of your starting pitchers go down. Well, there's more than a game, right? At the end of right. the year, so I, I just think it's I think it's a toss up. I mean, you you can go through there and predict however you want. I mean, it's for me, it's kind of hard. Oh, they're going to win by win the division by one game. I don't see that. Uh, I, I, I and I'd be shocked to see. If they hit us, if they hit a, a, a time during the season where they lose some games and get behind, you know, say five games, that they don't fire them all. I'm not a fan. I think he. I'm, I'm I don't shocked think he's, he's got, coming back this year. To be honest, I don't think he's got the clubhouse. I don't think he's got. He lost yeah. the clubhouse last year in the early last he, year. Yeah, yeah, we talk about it a lot. I mean, here's a young guy that is basically Mozilak's puppet. And the players know that. And you've got a, a locker room full of veterans and a blend of young guys, right? And, and so it's very difficult for players to listen and buy into Marmol trying to spill his philosophy of managing when the players know it's not his philosophy. I mean, he's handed the lineup, basically, and he goes to home plate and gives it to the umpire. He's not making decisions himself. It's been a year since that dust-up, and I'm trying to remember the veteran who he, he said didn't run out of... It was uh, the outfielder that, they, that ended up... He's no longer with him. I can't think right, of his name. Right. But. But, but he lost... Over that, I think, you and I agree, he lost the clubhouse. It's a year ago, though. More than a year right. ago. Can, can, right. Can you get the clubhouse back if you're a manager? I think it's hard to. And, and here's why. If, if, if a manager in years ago... And, and was actually managing the team and made that mistake, yeah, he could because he, he he can chalk it up to experience and learning and whatever. It still doesn't it still doesn't discount the fact that the players know that he is not truly managing the club. The front office is. I think that's difficult. Uh, now, when you look at the, look at Tony Larusa had control of that clubhouse. Now he was smart enough to get out of the way and let Albert and. And Yachty and guys like that, you know, manage it from within the clubhouse. But I just think in, in today's times, it's 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 even filtering down. Well, we'll talk about it another time because it, I'll be long winded on it because it, it's very important and a hot topic. Is it's filtering down into college sports, into college baseball? Same huh. scenario. You're basically as a manager or a coach, you better figure out how to change your philosophies because you're dealing with. 18, 19, 20-year-old kids that are getting NIL money, that are transfer portal players. Now, all of a sudden, you're trying to spill your culture into guys that you you haven't even had for a year, and you're only going to have for one year. So the times are changing. They're changing in the big leagues, and they're changing in, in college sports. Last thing, real quick, hard one for you here. Shoei Atani. We know he's not going to pitch this year. He's going to hit. He just announced he got married. What does that do to yep. his performance? No, I ain't gonna. This guy's so mentally tough, and he's been. <laughs> you know, I was just, I, I was just watching uh, uh, MLB now, and they were talking about the fact that he, he's been so programmed uh, as a superior athlete and work ethic since he's been probably twelve or thirteen. So I'm happy he got married, but uh, uh, this this woman's not going to change his work ethic. I can assure you that. So no, I don't. I just want to feel better about it all. There you go. Thank you, Timmy. We appreciate it. We will talk to you a week from tomorrow, Friday, ten ten. That'll be your permanent spot.
Look forward to it. Me too. Thank you so much. Tim Doolin on baseball. He's brought to you by Southern Security, your home team credit union. They have been for over 70 years. If you're thinking of building your dream home, Southern Security Credit Union is here to make your home building journey smoother and much more affordable with their new home construction loans, their flexible financing options, and those incredibly competitive rates can turn your vision into reality without breaking the bank. Our expert team will guide you through the entire process, ensuring your dream home becomes a reality. So don't resort to personal loans or high-interest credit cards when you can benefit from a construction loan especially designed to support your home-building journey. Please contact the loan officers at Southern Security. It's very, very simple. 901-452-7900. Southern Security, I mentioned home team. They're big Tiger supporters. It's all home team. It has been a while. They make dreams come true at Southern Security. We'll end our Thursday with Jarvo. He's right around the corner. Start your day with Sports 56 Mornings with Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Weekday mornings from 7 to 10, right here on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now back to Wolo and Friends on Sports 56. Presented by Homer Skelton Hyundai. Here once again is the voice of the Tigers, Dave Woloshin. We are uh, having a bit of trouble on this leap day in Greenville, North Carolina. Of getting a hold of our good friend Jarvis Greer. So uh, we're we're going to go in a little different direction here. Let's let's talk a little bit about this game with the Tigers in East Carolina. Memphis is a three and a half point favorite, so they have not uh, been favorites on the road here for a bit. They were not against North Texas. They certainly were not against SMU. The last time they were here, and they've been good in this building. Like they, they played 30 times, I think, and the Tigers are 25 and 5 against this team. They're 10 and 3 in Greenville, but they did lose the last time they were here on a buzzer beater, and that's when Imani Bates and uh, Duran were playing for the Tigers, 72 71, somewhere along those lines. So crazy things can happen. East Carolina is a 500 team all the way around. Their coach, by the way, Michael Schwartz, he's 500 at this ballpark, 30 and 30, and not many coaches have come here and been 500. The seven conference wins they have, so they're 14 and 13. Now, of their wins, um, a, a lot of those have, have come at the expense of four teams, but their seven conference wins are the most they have ever had in the AAC. And you can tell by the line, it's going to be a game. They're, they're not a bad team. So if Memphis has truly turned the corner, has learned their lesson, is a different team that will fight and fight and fight for 40 minutes. They're going to have to do that tonight. If they do win, that sets up uh, a revenge game with UAB, which is reeling going the other way, and that, that's good for Memphis because they need to pass UAB. They would tie him if they beat him on Saturday, provided they win tonight. So that would set up everything for FAU. So still a lot of really important, fun games for the Tigers to watch. I look forward to that. Last night, Zach, remember we had this little debate uh, with both Ron Higgins and with Brett Norsworthy about who could possibly be the conference player of the year. Most people are saying it's Dalton Connect. Well, for a minute there, I started to think the way the freshman was playing, Reed Shepard, I don't know if he's even the freshman of the year because Josh Hubbard's pretty good at Mississippi State. But if you take a look at a team now that is tied in the top of the SEC with Alabama, they're going to play each other this weekend too. But... Dalton Connect last night against another really upper echelon SEC team and, and, and frankly a team that I, I, I think could get to the final four. That's Auburn. Dalton Connect single handedly beat Auburn last night at Thompson Bowling. He had 39 points. 
if you played off him just a little bit, he would hit a deep three. This is down the last eight minutes of the game. This is a close game, and you know Tennessee wins, I think, by ten. But the score was not indicative of the way the game went. Dalton connects, goes deep. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, it's a 33, 34 footer. So the next time he's got the ball, same wing, right side. Now you got to crowd him, right? You can't let him just have that shot. He just hit it. He just goes right by, right to the hole, and dunk the ball. He's hitting floaters. He's hitting threes. He's hitting everything. Zach, are you in agreement now? Dalton Connect, no matter what happens the rest of the way, because there's only a few more regular season games, and I, I think you have to have your vote in, and I think coaches do it. But he's got to be the player of the year in the SEC, doesn't he? Yeah, the too many too many splash plays to uh, stand out for him throughout the entire season. Obviously, you factor in the Tennessee is one of the best teams in the country. Like it make it makes sense in my mind. Thirty nine points. I mean, that was he was outstanding. Um, Alabama's offense was outstanding. I watched that game. I watched the Ole Miss game last night with Bama, and they hung with him for a while um, and had a fourteen point lead in the first half. But those leads, just like the Grizzlies' fourteen point beginning. Uh, 14 nothing start. It just does not hold up. Alabama just can score. I, I don't believe, Zach, that that's a national championship team because I believe you got to really play defense. But Nate Oates' philosophy is we are going to outscore you in that. The way they play, because they move the ball around so beautifully, somebody always has an open look with, with the way they shoot, penetrate, and dish. Uh, I mean, pass, penetrate, and dish. It, it's phenomenal. They they get into a hundred again. I can't remember how many times that that graphic said, but uh, that's against Chris Beard's defense. And I'm going to tell you, Chris Beard's defense isn't bad. Alabama's always pretty impressive. Yeah, uh, they've always had exciting uh, brand of basketball. Uh, you know, especially around tournament time. I mean, it's unfortunate Arkansas is not a part. Will will be a part of it because you usually expect both Nate Oates and Eric Musselman teams to kind of come in and wreck the party, I guess you could say. So uh, if Bama continues to play well like they're playing now, like I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, we, uh, Greg and Eli had Jerry Palm on the show earlier this week, and he said they asked him, is, it, is there a chance that Bama could be a one seed uh, after the conference tournament? And Jerry said it's a possibility – but in all likelihood, they'll be a two seed. And so they'll be a very scary two seed for sure. I, I just don't think they're built to, to win a national title. I think you've got to play defense. You've got to be able to stop straight line drives. I'm not sure that NATO's system is, is built for that. But they are fun to watch, and they absolutely can score. And on offense... They do play for each other and set each other up, and we saw that firsthand in Oxford last night. All right, what's going to happen with the Tigers tonight, Mr. Zach? Uh, I will hope that they will bring their uh, home performance on the road. Uh, this is, I guess, this is one of the pro proverbial trap games, I guess you could say, going uh, finishing out the last two uh, games of the season against UAB and FAU. So you bring your A game on the road, you take care of business, and then you try to finish out uh, finish out the rest of the schedule heading into the conference slate. I'm hoping that they can well, pull out a win on the road. I, I, I think turnovers are going to be an important part of this game. First off, ECU does not turn the ball over that much. Memphis... If they don't turn it over, if you have a game from Quindley like you did against FAU, they're, they're going to win the game. I think they got to get in the mid seventies. Every one of the home games here, and I think maybe every opponent that ECU has played the 14 conference games, none of the teams they've played have exceeded their scoring average. So. Now, Memphis scores 80. I think if Memphis scores over 75, they will win the game. I think they will win this game. But, again, I've got to see it. Like, I, I think you put it perfectly. Let's see if the home team transfers to the road team. Last time they were on the road, it was not a pretty sight, both in Denton and then in Dallas, Texas. Final thing. I just 
sometimes marvel at LeBron. I don't love everything about LeBron, but there's no way you can ever deny what a great player he is. Last night, they're playing the Clippers. Many people think the Clippers are going to win the West. I, st I still go to Denver because I'm going to go with the defending champion in the West. But LeBron and his guys are playing the Clippers, and they're down 21 points in the fourth quarter. He himself had 19 in the fourth quarter. They come back and win the game. He ended up with 34 points and eight assists. I think, I'm really starting to think, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go back to all sports, and maybe Gordie Howe is the only guy I can think of. But I don't, I don't think there's a better old guy player. This is his 20th year. I don't think there's a better aging veteran player with productivity in the history of pro sports than LeBron James. Agree or disagree? Not even uh, Ovechkin, who's currently playing for the, the Washington uh, Capitals? How old is, is Ovechkin? I thought he was like in his what, late 30s, early 40s. I got to double check. That's a good point. Well, we'll, we'll look into that uh, for sure. Johnny Radio is right around the corner, ladies and gentlemen. You, I'll see you tomorrow early morning when we get back from East Carolina. It's all brought to you by the good folks at Ken Garland. Ken Garland, custom home builders. He knows what a big decision you're making. You're putting up money. You're either building your dream home or you're renovating. And with, in his case, you're renovating with innovation. You're going to get all the modern amenities to make that older home and the lot you love to make it a modern palace. That's what Ken does. Or if you've got land, you're not sure how to utilize Ken knows. Or if you need land, Ken's got it. He's Full service. KenGarland.com. Go to the website. Look at all the homes he and his father before him built. This is another company that's been around well over 70 years. And then call 751-1632. Talk to Ken about the possibilities. He sees the little details and the big picture all at once. He's fun to talk to. You'll learn a lot. Go check it out. KenGarland.com or 751-1632. If you're ready for that dream home in any sense, Ken Garland is your guy. That'll do it for us. We'll see you tomorrow.